As always, a huge thank you to Starboard, who are once again this season's main sponsors. Starboard has a history of innovation across water sports, starting in 1994 by revolutionising the design of windsurf boards. And they've brought that bang up to date recently, bringing foil windsurfing onto the Olympic stage with their IQ foil package. Starboard got behind stand-up paddleboarding in a huge way in the early days and continued to lead the industry to reduce their environmental impact. Their focus on innovation brought them seven world champions at the ICF Worlds last year, and all of them were using their Lima paddle range. They continue to improve and innovate their boards and their paddles for all abilities across all flavours of the sport, including adventure. And you can find out more about Starboard through their website, which is linked to in the show notes. Welcome to Sup FM, it's Simon here, and if you've got this far, then you'll know that this mini season has been all about the Yukon 1000, the longest paddle race in the world. So, our previous episode was from the start line in Whitehorse, and ahead of the final concluding episode in this season, we've got this as a little offering for you. I asked the Sup teams and also a canoe team that we had developed a bit of a connection with before the race to give us their immediate take on the 2023 race, to give us that top level taster of what it was like to compete and to get an idea of what it was they had taken from the race this year. So if you haven't listened to the other episodes yet, I'd recommend you listen to those ahead of this one because you'll probably get a better sense of where they've come from to get to this point. I hope this is also a good fix for those of us who have been following the race over the full nine days. And the prize for the best social media comment this week was the person who said, who knew that following coloured dots on a screen for nine days could be so much fun? And that's absolutely true. But now we get to hear from some of those teams who we've been following. So this is very much a quick and dirty episode update recorded exactly where the paddlers just happen to be following the race and it features those paddlers you'll already know from previous episodes so we've got martin from the renegade moose chasers craig and skip from team shack and also dan and nick from the canoe team fortune favors the brave and you can hear in all this audio their physical and mental exhaustion and probably a need to do some processing and reflection but What I also heard in there was that they've made a real connection with their individual essences. They've almost gone through a religious experience and there was a clear sense that everyone's gone on quite a personal mental journey as well as a physical one. And it certainly seems that they've been changed by their experience. And I'm not just talking about the six kilos of weight that Craig has lost over the eight days that he was on the course. So let's start with Martin of the Renegade Moose Chasers, who left me this message less than 24 hours after he had finished the race. Oh, good morning, Simon. It's uh, Martin Rendell here from the Renegade Moose Chasers, um, fresh off the back of the Yukon 1000. Uh, Yeah, where where, where do I start with this one? Um, We're back into Fairbanks now, so we were on the... We finished at the Dalton Highway Bridge yesterday in nine hours, sorry, nine hours, I wish, nine days, seven hours. Um, And I can honestly say it's going to take a long time to physically and uh, physically recover and uh, also, I think, mentally recover from it. Um, It is, (laughs) it's penned as the world's uh, longest and toughest uh, paddle race and um, it has very good reason uh, to have that title um, when you are out on that river you know we started in Whitehorse uh, on I don't even know what date it was last Friday um, and you are out on that river totally alone for in our case nine days seven hours um, and when I say totally alone Simon it's um, you do not see another living person for the entirety, unless you see, you have you see another racer team out there, it's vast. That it's it's known as the last frontier be, for a very good reason because there is nobody there. There is no nobody lives there, uh, apart from a, the, the small villages, which are very few and far between. Um, the river is a monster. It's like something you've never seen ever in your your life before. Absolute monster. Um, 
on average, it's a kilometer to a kilometer and a half wide. Now, if you just think about the amount of volume of water, a thousand miles at a minimum of a kilometer wide, it's, it's just mind boggling. So when Kim and I were, were, were paddling across there, I swear to God, you could see the curvature of the earth. <laughs> on, the, on the water you're paddling across the water and the water the, the water line in your vision it bends a bit like when you look at the you know when you look at um, the earth um, and it's got a you're looking out to sea and you can see from you know 180 degrees if not more and it's got a slight curvature to it that's what the river is like um, it's sided by mountains constantly um, until you get all the way to the dreaded flats uh, which is like the flats are like a plateau and again it's just moving water um, at in some cases five kilometers wide um, I can't tell you Simon it just you know trying to put what I saw into words is um, I don't know it's gonna be it's gonna take a long time for me to process this you know we we had some real um, some real highs and the highs were the nature um, you know, and so so just being surrounded by those mountains and being um, and and being f for you to feel so absolutely tiny and small and insignificant um, uh, is 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 amazing. Um, nature. I, mean, I, th I thought we would see so much more nature. Um, we saw black bears. Uh, we saw black bears on maybe day seven. Um, and on our final day, literally on our run in down to the finish, we had like like two or three miles to go, and there was a, f a family of um, there was a mother and two cubs, um, um, on the on the side of the bank there. We saw some moose. Uh, we saw a mother and two babies swimming across the river right next to where we were camping. We saw some eagles. We saw some beavers. It was it was an amazing amazing place for nature. Um, how. How do I feel myself? I am physically and totally blown. Um, 18 hours of being on a board. Now, I, I, I measured this space. My leg length is 34 inches long. And when I'm, if I sat on the board with my back against my rear bag, my front feet were just to the sides of my front bag. That is the space you've got. You've got 34 inches of space to sit on for 18 hours a day. Sit or stand, you know, because obviously... We were sitting a little bit because um, it's way, way, way tiring to stand uh, for the whole time. So 18 hours a day on, on 34 inches of board space. Um, and then you get off, you, you unpack all of your kit, you find a camp, um, which could be a sandbar, a gravel bar, um, you know, just trying to find somewhere that is elevated off the water. It's hopefully free of mosquitoes, um, which they were abundant. I think they were the most nature we ever saw and felt, actually. Um, uh, yeah, bloody uh, mosquitoes. Um, so you camp, literally you grab your bag, you put the tent up, you get your food on, you eat your food, you go to bed, and then three hours later you are awake again, and then you're doing it all in reverse. So in 24 hours we were having three hours sleep. So we had 30 hours sleep um, in in the nine, nine days, seven hours. Um, so sleep deprivation is an absolute crazy one. Um, I was making up all sorts of things i i was seeing things in rock faces in trees um i was even seeing faces in the water uh, at one point um dangerous too actually you know we we got we got to a little a little time around about maybe sort of 10 in the morning um maybe about and somewhere between 8 and 10 a.m where we called it sleepy time because you've been up since around four you've been paddling and then all of a sudden your body goes into sleepy time mode and so if you're it's too you're too tired you're nodding off i was actually nodding off paddling my eyes were closing my my head was nodding so i sat down and then you're paddling and then your arms are going through the motions but they're not doing anything and then the next thing you know you wake yourself up because you're about to tip yourself into the water because you fell asleep it's sleep deprivation is um something that uh only i think the yukon 1000 can give you I don't think you can get sleep deprivation. You can't sort of like self-administer sleep deprivation. Um, absolutely crazy. But no, Simon, um, we've had the most amazing adventure. Um, and um, I think my, my brain just is not in the modern game at the moment. So, <laughs> um, but I just, I've, I've had a very quick flick through um, all of the support 
and uh, all of the messages and everybody getting behind uh, the Brit teams. You know, Craig, Craig, Craig and Skip did absolutely amazing. They flew off from the start and we didn't see them again after day one. So, you know, those guys were absolute machines today and, and hats off to them for uh, the time that, that they got for sure. Uh, but just massive, massive support. to ev- uh, Thank you to everybody that gave us the support. Um, I, you know, scanning through scanning through a few pages and a few messages I can't believe just how many people got on board with us uh, the Brit teams um, so a huge thank you from the from the Moose Chasers to um, everyone who supported not only us but to uh, the Brit teams in general so I'm sure we can have a little catch up when we get back Simon we're in Fairbanks here until I believe Friday fly back to the UK Friday land Saturday so next week I'm sure I will be back at home feeling a lot more um, compass mentis and uh, maybe a little bit more accepting of the modern world but right now I'm going to stay in the woods for a little while <laughs> anyway um, all the best I mean thank you also for your support and um, it's it's been an amazing journey and we will catch up very very soon you take care and speak soon cheers bye so the next part features Fortune Favours the Brave. Now, we don't normally let canoe teams on here, but they did most of their training on SUP, so we're willing to forgive them and stretch a point here. But in all seriousness, as inexperienced paddlers, this duo of veterans started slowly on the race course and then got stronger and quicker as the days passed. And they were also really generous supplying us with photos and videos from the start line. But they also took some truly spectacular sunset photos of Team Target Azalea, Ashley Kane and Gary, which are absolutely beautiful and which they talk about in this piece. And we'll link in the show notes to the Instagram feed of Mr. Ashley Kane, where you can check out both the photo and also the story of a truly inspirational man and his work to combat childhood cancer. Good afternoon, Simon. Um, it's Dan and Nick. Uh, we're currently in Seattle Airport waiting for our connection back to uh, London Heathrow. Uh, you asked about uh, thoughts on, on the race. Uh, I would say that uh, it was incredible. Uh, it was brutal. Uh, for us, with only five hours paddling experience, it was all about learning on the go. And uh, hopefully we showed that limited paddling experience but a bit of ability to administrate yourself and to work in the darker times uh, you could do quite well it was great to be involved uh, in the whole event the the challenge is immense and i think one of the greatest things about the race is the uh, community especially those who've been through it and the support that they give especially to uh, absolute amateurs like us uh, was amazing yeah, I'm sitting here now and feeling pretty exhausted, if I'm honest. It's been a, a significant physical and mental undertaking. And I think it's probably one that, you know, it will take a bit of time for the reality to, to really embed. Uh, and also maybe some of those learnings or takeaways that, you know, we should always take from situations to really bring themselves to the fore. What's clear at the moment, and actually haven't got to this position, is just understanding you know the enormity of the task and the the superhuman effort that goes into it i think to paddle 18 hours a day is one thing but to do so not getting off your boat all day to sleep you know for the best part of bugger all each evening and to go again and again and again is is like nothing i've heard of or seen and it really is a huge challenge to people mentally you know physically uh, and the enormity of that task can't be underestimated so yeah certainly uh, feeling somewhat tired lackadaisical lethargic um and needing to reflect more on those but it's been an incredible journey as dan said met some wonderful people the last couple of days we've spent in um, Fairbanks since we got back you know we've caught up with some of the other teams had a nice time socially and it's a sort of uh, esprit de corps that's manifested itself from the event so for for the highlights that I put uh, I think it was on day two we were coming through the fog uh, and um, we spot something on the horizon we're not sure if it was a log uh, if it was an elk but we definitely saw it was moving 
Uh, we paddled closer, at which point we were pretty sure it was a, a bear. Um, and being the type of characters we are, we uh, carried out immediate action drill, which was to get our cameras on and, um, and to get a bit closer. Uh, so it was lovely to see a black bear, probably about a year or two years old, uh, swimming from left to right. And then as it spotted us, it, it went back to the home bank and uh, up it went and uh, off. And so that was definitely one of the highlights. Uh, another one would be spending time with Nick. Uh, he's a great guy and uh, just getting to learn a lot more about him. Uh, hopefully he's definitely built a incredibly strong relationship that will last a lifetime. Uh, for for both of us, uh, it was a total digital detox. Uh, we, yeah, we got our phones out, but I was to take pictures and maybe take a, a note here and there. Uh, so that was really good. And I didn't feel like I missed my phone. I don't know about you, Nick. No, I didn't. And, and I think, as Dan said, it's been such a privilege, Dan, to, to do this with you. And I think one of the, ma the, the main takeaways, really, from a positive perspective is, you know, I don't think we had any choice words with each other. Um, it's probably because neither of us talk much, although you talk. There was no one for you to talk to on the water. That was no, the but I, think, I actually think you talk more than I do in hindsight. No, you did call me bossy one night. <laughs> you are bossy. <laughs> I, was, I was bossy because we didn't want to... He's uh, bossy full stop. We didn't want to pitch our tent next to somebody who had already been in for half an hour and who were going to wake us up when they were getting ready in the morning half an hour yeah. earlier. You're not bossy. As long as everyone does what you want, you're yeah, not bossy. That's fair. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> do what you want. Do you want to take the lead on this, or do you want me to? No, no, you take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> then there was the other highlight, which for some people will be a low light, but because of our sort of uh, slightly strange sense of humour, uh, was uh, it started to, to rain, and uh, Nick was said, is it time to put our Gore-Tex on, our waterproofs on? And I was like, no, 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 it's going to blow over. Uh, at which point uh, the heavens opened biblical and it was the heaviest rain uh, well it wasn't just rain it was hail that just thundered down and it hurt at which point he said is it time am I allowed to now put my Gore-Tex on and I said yeah, okay but yeah I think it's a good time it was a so bit late by then it was a bit late so we were quite wet but that was definitely a highlight because we knew uh, that others would have been uh, not seeing the funny side of it yeah and I uh, you know, and it's those moments, those, you know, human adversity and that camaraderie that you share that really um, foster those relations. And Dan and I came into this with a strong relationship already, but I think we leave even stronger and, you know, a, a real mutual admiration and respect for each other and where we are in lives. And I think that's really powerful from a friendship perspective. And actually, when you look at it that way, it, it has really, you know, propelled it forward, brought us even closer still. I think on the flip side to that, there's certainly a challenge in that um, in the sense that I think picking your partner for this race is really key um, one of the, the takeaways I talked about when we were looking at this earlier is having having the back of your teammates and I think that's really important in life whoever's on your team in life partners spouses friends family and actually we get to pick those that's on our team so it doesn't have to be an extensive list but Dan's, Dan's firmly on my team and you just don't let someone down on your team and I think it's that dogged determination and ruthlessness to succeed I had a, a really challenging day on day two um, and no matter how much I probably thought I didn't want to be there uh, I'm never going to let Dan down because actually th that's what it's about and I think that resilience carried us through um, but I would question and wonder for others if it maybe wasn't the same and so I think picking someone to conduct the race with is really important because um, it's not necessarily about who's the strongest paddler or whatever it may be. It's also understanding how they're going to act in situations. One of the things we didn't realize was, uh, I'm now going to call it stern, but I've only just realized that the stern means front um, of the canoe is that you really- No, that's the back. Oh, sh you oh, bow. Bow, bow, sorry. Yeah, see, we're, we're clearly uh, pros here. I'm gonna, just going to go back to front and back. So at the front, you can't really turn the canoe, which means the person at the back is pretty much always having to do something. Uh, and so there were days when, you know, I'd go have a quick sleep or something, and I'd try my best to re replicate or do the same for Dan, but actually it's so hard to do so because ultimately I'd end up spinning around and you need the person at the rear to steer. And to do that, but knowing there's not a resentment, but at the same time knowing that 
you'll pull your weight and in lieu of that you're going to do this that or the other to try and accommodate it I think it's really important because otherwise those niggles will build and you can see it there's clearly relationships and people as partners who've been tested throughout this race as many that have gone before um, and for me yeah picking the right partner to do this race with is huge because um, ultimately you win and lose together and I think that was one of the things we really looked at that the winning is great but the losing or not completing is hard because each of you have different drivers stakeholders and so forth and so you've got to be aligned in the outcome so um yeah a bit of a bit of a sidetrack waffle from me but backing those on your team and a, a real thanks to dan because it's been an absolute pleasure to go on this journey with him and you know feel closer than ever which is such a lovely position to come out from this um where others haven't maybe fared so well um i think one of the things for you that we discussed earlier was about about purpose and about giving and giving back and i think one of the highlights was definitely after the race mm. uh do you want to talk through as we caught up with a, a certain crew yeah so we um we were paddling along one evening we caught up with one of the teams with ashley and gary from behind and just on in front of them there was this vibrant orange sky uh you know sunset and actually you don't really see much of it because of the you know the light being up so long um but noting the purpose and focus on team azalea um and the backstory there there's a real um powerful element in the color orange and it's shining down on them in that moment and dan and i saw this and started grabbing the camera and dan said oh we need to take this picture and I grabbed the camera and started taking this picture as we were going past them. I think they thought we were sort of not talking to them, but it was just this moment that we had to capture. So, you know, about 30 photos later of trying to just make sure it was the right one. It, it felt lovely. And Dan and I looked at it in the tent that night. I mean, that's the picture. And it's interesting that, you know, we then met Ashley and Gary when they came off. But after Ashley had done his initial interview, we showed him this picture and you could see the sheer emotion that hit him you know with his um his daughter looking down on him you know and casting him in a sea of orange and you know it was a very vivid moment and poignant moment um whether people are religious or not but almost this enlightening and um, profound moment that you know someone was looking over them and supporting them and carrying them on the journey and that being the, the person at the center of his cause and world and so I think you could tell how much that meant. And I think, you know, by that, I talk about it. And my wife often says this, you know, be the person your dog wants you to be. You know, they don't want much. They want a bit of a pat when you go past, you know, taken out for a walk and what have you. And just, um, you know, being a continuous presence and, and picking up on the small stuff, but also giving to others without expectation. And I think I, and I think I speak for both of us, certainly took more joy from that one moment than maybe anything else to see the emotion that it meant to Ashley when we were able to send that to him. So um, I think, yeah, a real high. Um, and and certainly it, it, it was things forget. like giving people some coffee uh, because they were they were flagging or it was... God, not your terrible coffee. Not my terrible coffee, but that did work. They did <laughs> they did upgrade to, to better coffee when they found Just to it. put that into effect, um, Simon, uh, for anyone listening, Dan, decided that rather than boiling up coffee throughout the day when he got tired we were on the army ration packs where it's called three and one so it has like creamer sugar and coffee in a sachet dan decided just to pour it into his mouth and chew this mix of freeze-dried coffee creamer and sugar which certainly had the, the right effect but having tried it myself oh, i i think um i would have had it cold <laughs> Oh, Sorry, segue. It was a segue, but oh, actually, I thought it was right. It was it, horrific. It, it won't be catching on anytime it, soon. It broke up the monotony of the tie. So talking about uh, dark times was a, a lovely cut across from uh, eating coffee. Uh, so for me, the two sort of dark times were uh, the area called the flats. So the first part is uh, around uh, navigation and getting through that. And Nick did an amazing job with some mapping from Southampton University to navigate uh, through that. And then as you get to the top, or what feels like the top, because you're heading north, the, it, it, the navigation gets easier, but the river slows even more. 
and it felt like treacle at times and you're you're paddling away the sun is beating down on you it is reflecting off the sort of milky white uh, water and that it's hot you're paddling slowly it's in the middle of the day you're you're on a low and just that slow flow rate just makes it so monotonous and the long not even sweeping bends the bends that meander back on themselves ready to form oxbow lakes uh, that was definitely for me the the darkest time yeah uh, <laughs> that was a but you know what in adversity sometimes there's um positives and i also had one of my most enlightening moments during that phase um where spending some time with zach and paul our good friends from montana now as we were paddling along and we were sort of almost at some stage it just turned into a float trip where i don't think we could paddle anymore and the four of us had kind of laid back in the canoes and we're just nudging ourselves forward um, but in that moment, it really almost came back to me with um, uh, Amanda saying, look, remember to enjoy it as well. And I think in that moment, there was a period that sort of snapped and said, hey, enjoy it. You know, you're here, make the most of it. And I think it was one of the dark moments, but actually within it, there was also a really positive for me moment of sort of a defining moment of saying, actually, no, you know, you're here for yourself, enjoy it. And um you know, have that experience. So, um, yeah, quite quite profound again, really. Uh, any other dark times? Uh, any other dark times? John playing with the exercise. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Nick, Nick and I, from both with our military backgrounds, um, in in military exercises there's a base level of of an exercise and what they want to uh, be practiced and exercised what training objectives need to be achieved and then there's an element where you can increase the complexity or you can add different elements to uh, make it uh, tougher if the the troops are doing well um, and i know john definitely got into nick's nick's head because it felt like John was it was there playing with uh, playing with the dials um, to try and make it tougher at times. Yeah, and I can see John taking great delight in this. So if you're reading this, if you're listening to this now, John, you know it's the case too. I imagined you with your little, uh, I don't know what I want to call it, a tablet with a dial. It'd obviously be techie. And as we were sort of coming towards the finish, we'd left sort of this flat section and you just thought oh we're there we're going to turn this bend and it's a straight all the way and we'll get some pace but rather than it being this lovely smooth finish john had turned up the dial to this maximum amount of just creating this bubbling pot of water which was actually quite dangerous as one of the other teams said Uh, and you know between wind and current it was just absolutely rocking uh, and I could swear it was John on his uh, on his tablet dialing it up just to um, finish off the exercise and that final uh, final moment of cranking up the pressure. Um, so, uh, so the biggest takeaway for me and spending time with Nick and we have a very good relationship. I've learned a hell of a lot from Nick. Um, I, I knew he was an amazing uh, father uh, to Mila and Ella and just talking and talking through different things is something that's really struck me that the importance of family and spending quality time uh, with our children but in this case I need to spend more quality time with my children we talked about that digital detox it's for me it's uh, and hopefully my wife will hold me to this it's around being present it's around not having your mobile phone on when I'm watching my son uh, football training that I am watching and I'm not on my phone and when I'm with my daughter uh, gymnastics exactly the same or if I'm hitting a tennis ball with them it's being there it's being present it's being uh, it's been goes back to the the sort of the dog uh, you know, being the, the person that your dog wants you to be so yeah enjoying their childhood so uh, that's definitely my biggest takeaway from this yeah, and I think, you know, there's huge amounts, as I've spoken about, learned from, and I'm sure there'll be more that come, but, you know, one of them is really, and I was talking to someone about it last night, I was talking to Ash actually about it last night, we've got to break ourselves down at times, 
to build ourselves better, uh, to come back stronger and be better versions of ourselves. It came at a time for me when I felt I needed it and, and the right time and very apt. Jesus did it for 40 days and nights, went into the desert. Uh, you know, this was mine, you know, strip, you know, strip off and, um, you know, go into the Yukon on our own sort of quest, if you like. And, you know, I felt that it did exactly that, whilst in one hand it sort of strips, strips things back and stripped elements back. It sort of breaks down and comes back stronger. And I know, I said to my wife and the kids just recently getting onto the plane, I feel coming home a much stronger person, um, not just physically, because uh, actually that's certainly not the case at the moment, but mentally, uh, physically, you know, from a mental fitness perspective, I feel much fitter mentally, uh, and much stronger and more resilient, uh, and much calmer uh, and happier and true to myself. And I think that's a posit real positive takeaway for me, you know, along with everything else, the relationship with Dan and all that we've achieved, you know, to go back in that frame of mind, feeling really in a good place, happy and comfortable, relishing, looking forward to seeing the family, but also getting into work and everything else that goes with it. Um, you know, it, it, it's ticked the boxes. And I think through adversity, you can triumph and achieve wonderful things. And that's certainly very much, you know, the effect that's had there. And, and last but not least for me, I suppose the other one is also, you know, we've raised quite a few pennies for the charities we're supporting, which will go to beneficiaries in great effect. So to all those who've supported me and, you know, reduce our carbon and down and um, uh, YPI has been, you know, wonderful. And I think as part of that, one of the things I, I did was um, I off through doing this trip, I offset my lifetime's carbon emissions. So um, I can now claim uh, to be... Uh, carbon neutral for life on my scope one and two emissions so that that felt quite a good undertaking really and that's very much the work we've been doing at reduce our carbon uh, and looking at carbon offsetting agroforestry with fruit trees and smokeless stoves so all good stuff but i'll pass back to dan i'm, I'm waffling now yeah so it goes to purpose and on day two when that was pretty dark uh, when we had the dark moments in the flats and you're wanting to give you're wanting to give up and you know that the only thing you do is do stroke or paddle stroke by paddle stroke to go forward towards the finish line and you don't want to let your half a million apparently yeah we did the maths that we each did half a million paddle strokes so we literally were shoveling water 18 hours a day uh, apart from the few moments a uh, few moments off but it's around that that purpose and it, it, not wanting to let uh, family, friends, and in particular, uh, in our case, uh, our, our charities down, and all those who've already donated, uh, because it, it, that would have really hurt if we had done that, and we weren't weren't going to let that happen. So that was sort of part of the key drivers in those darker moments. And so thank you for all those, especially our families. Uh, yeah. and our friends who've supported us and all those who've donated uh, a massive thank you and then just sort of really to, to to wind up you just asked about logistics so we uh, as we hit hit we come under the we go through the beautiful countryside the amazing different rock strata and the different trees and the wildlife and then you see a piece of concrete never have I been so happy to see a piece <laughs> of concrete um I actually confusing shape bridge as well. It, it is confusing shape bridge. It's not a straight bridge. It's a, a, a wonky a, bridge. It's a wonky bridge. <laughs> um, I think I did well up. I, I sort of got a bit a yeah, bit teary. I certainly did. And uh, we come under there, and John John meets you, and he gets you out. You interview you. You say a few confused words to him, and then it, the the support team, John support team, of two of them will then help with the canoe. Uh, you get it out, start drying your kit. You then are able to go off for a, for a shower, uh, get a burger, and then most people jump in a, a red minibus. But we were quite lucky. We've made a great friends from uh, Team Freshwater out of Montana, Paul and Zach, and they're absolutely brilliant. And uh, I think we both dragged each other round, even though I mean they beat us. I think they would have dragged us round. They would have. Paul, <laughs> Paul was so strong he could have dragged us round. Uh, they had lent their uh, truck uh, to drive around to pick up their canoe and uh, so we were lucky enough to jump in there 
uh, beasts of a ram uh, was it Two two five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Huge, huge truck. And Monster we, truck. We headed back to Fairbanks. Uh, everyone said it was a four-hour drive. It felt like it was an hour and a half drive. That's because you slept the whole way. Well, that's because you were talking about football. <laughs> uh, so Nick and I do a bit of a tag team to keep uh, Zach Zach awake. So it was either about football or or the guys. They love their hunting. So between us, we could keep awake. And then we got into into Fairbanks and we had an amazing meal. I had a nice piece of steak, found our hotel, sorted our kit out and then sort of went around yesterday. Yeah. And then... I left with more luggage than I came with. Once yeah. again, he was waiting. Nick was tasked by uh, his family to bring back a lot of uh, American specific uh, cooking and that eating. being uh, Amanda Amanda being from America and growing up in Kansas City and uh, the girl my daughter's been half American by nature of that so um, I was tasked with American staples yeah um, it's probably the, the equal weight to our canoe though don't it? yeah I think actually Nick makes a really interesting point here so uh, Nick, Nick uh, is not renowned for his packing light uh, I just figure I can carry it all. He's a strong guy, so he can carry it all. So I think there were a few of the uh, veterans and other competitors at the start line almost going, who are these two guys? How on earth have they filled two large bear barrels up with food? There's a rumour going around that we took a, a slab of Gatorade with us. That's actually... Oh, true. Nick had drunk two of the bottles beforehand. <laughs> uh, I think it was when we actually, he, actually had done the, uh, the, first, the first of these. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're known for taking a lot of kit around. a couple of two-litre bottles of Coke as well. Yeah, two-litre bottles of two. We thought they might be useful bottles to put um, purified water into. I took a pizza the first day too. Yeah, pizza. Yeah, we did all right. We got through. So we had a nice night in uh, Fairbanks, and uh, we flew at 0200 this morning uh, from Fairbanks and oh, Seattle. Yeah. And now we're waiting in Seattle uh, in... Uh, in the airport, ready to fly home in about three hours. Um, I think that's that's about us, really. I'm well, looking us. forward to seeing our families. Yeah, uh, yours are there, aren't they, to meet you? Hopefully. Exciting. Hopefully, if not, it's a, if another not. taxi. <laughs> if not, you might have to give me a lift, a lift home. <laughs> and, yeah, Simon, I hope, uh, I hope uh, that is probably longer than you were hoping for, but you can always cut out most of it probably most of the next waffle and uh, oh yeah you'll get nothing and, but waffle from me and nearly all of me uh, and it'll be good right so thank you to fortune favors the brave as they waited for their flights from seattle and next we hear from team shack and craig and skip completed the race before returning back to where it all started in whitehorse yukon before preparing to fly back to the uk so here's skip just two days after finishing the race with his thoughts. Hi Simon, it's um, Skip here from Team Shack Yukon 1000. Um, just wanting to send you a message uh, to really finish up the journey that I've been on over the last four years. My journey started in 2019 and I'm now sat on a bench where I was sat this time last year after having having to have pulled out of the Yukon 1000 race for the reason that my partner caught COVID a couple of days before the race. I'm sat on a bench where I, on that day, um, full of emotion and disappointment, I, I wrote a song called North of Ordinary. Um, and kind of during that process, I vowed to myself to come back to this spot and do the race known as the Yukon 1000. I have now completed that journey. I have now fulfilled that dream of paddling a thousand miles from where I'm sat here now, white horse at the edge of the Yukon River, all the way to the Arctic Circle and back out again into Alaska where at the Dalton Highway Bridge the race finishes and I guess what I'm wanting to do is to express my gratitude for being able to have come back 
and complete that dream um, and hope and to prove that to myself that I have resilience and strength within me that was greater than I ever expected and the Yukon 1000 race put me on a journey where I learned an awful lot about who I am and what I'm capable of and the journey was both awe-inspiring and emotional and beautiful and scary and difficult and as a result of all of those things sat back here at the beginning where it all started I'm able to reflect and to realise that I've been on the greatest journey I think I will ever go on um, and that it has allowed me to for once in my life be proud of something that I've achieved and I genuinely am proud of what I've achieved and I'm genuinely proud that the journey was what it was and that I was able to do it with Craig by my side um, as it was meant to be and I'm thankful to him for all the hours of preparation that he put in and then the incredible determination to paddle through that thousand miles and and again be by my side throughout that I'm also incredibly grateful that our, our friends and competitors uh, Martin and Kim also made that journey because it gives us a common kind of foundation that no one else has we were the only two teams to do it this year and we both succeeded and we should both as teams and individuals be incredibly proud of what we have achieved because it's not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination but it is one of the if not the most wonderful things I have ever done and I will always look back at this time this stretch of time all the four years that the journey has taken with great fondness and 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 now complete happiness that the job is done and that I'm able to walk away with the knowledge of knowing that I've completed the Yukon 1000 and that we were the first ever UK based paddlers stand up paddleboarders to do this incredible journey and take on this incredible undertaking and I'd just like to take a moment to thank everyone that supported us our sponsors, you friends, family and all those that we love that stood by us and allowed us to come back and, and take on this challenge and then to ultimately be the first to do that from the UK and win the paddleboard section of the Yukon 1000. Thank you. And finally, with his thoughts about his race experience, here's the sub coach, Craig Sawyer. Hey, Simon. So Craig here from Team Shack, Team One. Um, currently back now in Whitehorse. Um, we finished the race a couple of days ago, two, three days ago, and some good friends drove us back to the start uh, in Whitehorse where we've got a few days before flying home. Actually, it's been really nice to come back to the start line. As I record this, I'm actually standing exactly where we started the race just over a week ago, standing on the exact spot where my board was half in the water in the Yukon. Uh, the difference being is I'm standing here this time, not with my paddle board, but I'm holding the Yukon 1000 coin that we were given when we finished 1000 miles further up this river. It's quite crazy standing here now and watching the river flow and thinking this is where it all started. And what an epic adventure. I'm still trying to process a lot of it mentally. Physically, personally, I'm you know, good, all things considered. Some nerve damage in my fingertips, which I was told would happen. It's quite common. So I can't really feel things when I touch things. But it's, each day feels like it's getting better. Um, my feet, uh, yeah, feet swelled like sledgehammers. <laughs> Um, and when we finished the race, didn't have much feeling in, in my feet, but that's gradually coming back now as well. And the swelling's going down. 
bit of sunburn on the feet, um, which which um, did my best to manage while paddling. But um, other than that, physically, yeah, no niggles or injuries. I reckon I've probably lost about five or six kilograms. Um, it's pretty impossible to consume anywhere near what you are expending on something like this. I've sort of had a casual look at my stats. I will analyse my Garmin data, no doubt, more in detail when I get back to the UK, because that's the kind of thing I like to do. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, we were expending probably six to 8,000 calories a day, and you can't realistically really bring any more than two to three K of calories in while paddling, just, for, just half it, just because of the logistics of trying to carry that much food for a, for a period of time and just trying to eat and consume it while paddling. But yeah, that's all good. The race itself, I mean, a quick overview. We, you know, when we started, Skip and I went out with the intention to get across that lake first. There's a, there's a, a saying or there's a, a kind of thing that most teams go to the, you know, the first. So the, whoever crosses the lake first, generally, unless you mess up, generally stays in front. You, you know, you've got a bit of an advantage in as much as you're out in front, you, um, you're not trying to play catch up. Uh, and if you play the right game, you can just keep ahead of everyone. Um, we got a lake across the, you know, first day we did 135k, which includes the lake, uh, which is the slowest part. Uh, the lake, uh, we were very lucky. We had no uh, terrible weather. We had no, uh, we had no big waves. Um, it was just a very light tailwind, but it was a slog. I and mean, I think it took us about eight and a half hours to get across that lake. But by that point, we'd lost sight of the other sub team. So we kind of just kept our heads down and kept cracking on. Yeah. And from there on, it was, uh, it's a, an epic adventure. Very hot in the day, um, so lots of cooling down in the river. We were actually quite surprised how long it took the kayaks and canoes to catch us. I mean, they, they do leave, obviously, a, a day later than us, uh, and they're not the people we're racing. But it's actually quite fun to see how far you can get before the first team gets you. You feel a little bit like a, a sort, of the, sort of the hare and the hound. Um, and we, we were the first team through Dawson, so we passed through Dawson, which really surprised us. That's the halfway point, so we got past there before anyone caught us. And the uh, the team of the Estonian girls team, who were absolutely smashing out of the park and ultimately went on to win the race, they passed us uh, just before Eagle, the border crossing into Alaska. And every team that come through was like just commending us for being fast, you know, and commenting on just how crazy fast we had been. And and obviously being up front as well, you also get intel from teams coming through on where your com- competition is. So we had a good we had a kind of a good inkling in that we had a, we had built up quite a big gap. Um, you know, teams were coming past saying they'd passed the other sub team like you know, a day or two previous. So we knew they weren't right on our tail. So then it was down to just managing the remaining days, making sure we were on the water for eighteen hours a day, not letting that slip. We knew we could be a bit more cautious with some of the some of the route. Uh, when you get up into the flats, there are potential shortcuts that can save time, but. The risk is with the water levels, you might take a shortcut and then suddenly find that it's not deep enough and you have to start dragging your boards and you can lose hours. So we made a decision to be cautious and just take the obvious natural flow of the river rather than trying to take any shortcuts. Um, so we did slow up a little bit in the last half of the race just because we were doing that. Um, but that was fine with us, you know, so that, that was good. The, the river and the area just changes after Dawson. You really do feel like you've fallen off the edge of the earth. Um, it's really hard to explain just how fast and huge, how small you feel. You feel just, you know, you are just a mere speck on the landscape and there's not a human for tens and tens and hundreds of miles around. And, you know, you're, you're walking on untouched land and, you know, it's, it's mental. You, and it could freak people out, to be honest. I mean, um, you have to really keep your wits about you and be mindful of the situation you're in because, you know, anything goes wrong, no one's coming to get you. Um, but that was exciting um, and it kept us on our toes. Got into the flats. The flats are horrific. The flats are, t- I've kind of, <laughs> it's two days you're in the flats and it's just so vast and huge and, and flat and it's really hard to read the current. Um, you're trying to follow the current and you're getting stuck in places and it just goes on and on and on. But we sort of cracked on through that. And um, yeah, uh, you know, we finished the race um, in eight hours. Sorry, eight days. Which we did finish in eight hours. We finished the race in eight days. It's 13 hours and five minutes. So um, so happy with that. Um, 
uh, you know, we were over the moon. Um, it was fantastic to get to that finish line. Uh, and it was fantastic to see that every single team finished within the cutoff. Um, we were really concerned for Martin and Kim when we finished because it, you know, the organisers told us that, you know, they were going to, they were at risk of not making the cutoff. And that would be the worst thing possible for them because they absolutely hammered that course. Um, and we know what they went through having gone through it ourselves. But they pulled it out of the bag on the last day and they obviously dug deep and pulled it through and made the cutoff, which was fantastic. So to say we've had two teams from the UK, the first ever UK sub team to enter the Yukon 1000, both finish the race um, is incredible. And hopefully that goes on to inspire other sub races that might want to consider doing something like this. But I mean, I think hopefully once I've processed everything a little bit more, we can have a more detailed chat on everything. But for now, thank you to SubFM. Thank you to everyone that's followed us along, everyone that's dot-watched the trackers, um, everyone that's left comments on Facebook, on social media. You know, we do promise to catch up on our messages and reply to everyone, share photos, videos, and try and <laughs> bring what we've seen and done over the last sort of like eight and a half days into something that might help people understand just what it's like to paddle 1,000 miles in the last frontier. Thanks again, Simon. Thanks again, everyone. And I get catch up soon. Bye. We'd like to thank Baltic Life Jackets for returning as episode sponsors this season. Baltic designed and developed their SUP Elite PFDs to solve two key problems facing stand-up paddlers. The slim-down front panel makes it easier to climb back on your board, and the ergonomic cutaways around the arms accommodate the SUP stroke, allowing you to paddle freely without restriction to the point that you hardly notice you're even wearing it. The SUP Elite also incorporates storage and the option to add a hydration pack, which is perfect for the summer. So check out the SUP Elite and the SUP Pro PFD at your local stockist or at supfmpodcast.com forward slash Baltic. Looking to take your performance to the next level? Then look no further than Ocean Specific. Introducing the Strike Series VRX, the ultimate SUP paddle designed for maximum power and efficiency. Its firm flex shaft optimizes energy transfer for efficient paddling. Its double dihedral blade ensures an unrivaled grip on the water, boosting your surfing, racing and touring performance. Ocean Specific sponsors and promotes UK surf and race culture, supporting athletes and adventure racing teams, including the Shack team competing in this year's Yukon 1000. And they're committed to providing professional grade equipment at an accessible price. Visit oceanspecific.com today to explore their range of high performance paddles, hardware and apparel. And the links to all of our sponsors are in the show notes.